from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Talking Catholic. Uh, it's just me today. Pete Sanchez is uh, dealing with a death in the family, unfortunately, but he'll, uh, he'll return soon and we certainly keep him in our prayers. But uh, I had the opportunity to moderate a panel this evening for uh, Theology on Tap. Our ministries, uh, specifically towards young adults, takes place at uh, bars around southern New Jersey uh, that really that brings people from the ages of 21 to 35 out um, in a very open, inviting place where they can discuss their, their faith publicly. And um, anyway, it's a great event. I, if you've never been to a Theology on Tap, I, I highly recommend it. But uh, tonight's panel was good, I'm, and I thank Greg Coogan for thinking of me to be their uh, their MC this evening. It was a thrill for me. Um, we had the opportunity to, to speak with the uh, founder of Domestic Church Media, Jim Manfredonia, and his director of community relations and fellow program host, Gabriella Fermato. Uh, if you're not familiar with Domestic Church Media, it's a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate uh, dedicated to proclaiming Jesus Christ. Um, it's an affiliate of EWTN Radio and provides many hours of localized programming specific to New Jersey and the Delaware Valley. Um, which for me is is a really big deal. I mean, it's EWT is great, but you know it's a national broadcast. What uh, Jim is able to do, Jim and Gabrielle are able to do, is really find local stories. So Jim started Domestic Church Media in 2003 with his wife uh, Cheryl, and uh, it started out as a one one tower in Trenton, and now they have four towers altogether spanning most of central, upper central and southern New Jersey and a bit of eastern Pennsylvania. And it's really a great, great radio station, a great Catholic radio station in our area. Um, he hosts two shows, one by himself called Come to Me on Thursdays at 4 p.m. And he and Gabriella uh, host Monday and Friday live uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. Um, in addition to that, there are a number of other shows. Cheryl, his wife, has the Catholic Music, music Hour. There's a great show called Catholic Matters. Um, there's a Spanish-language show called La Vas de Dios uh, out of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. There's a vocation show. And uh, Bishop uh, O'Connell out of uh, Trenton has a show as well called The Shepherd's Voice. Now, Domestic Church Media is primarily a radio station, uh, and it broadcasts on 1260 AM in Mercer, Burlington, Hunterdon, and Somerset, Bucks, and Montgomery counties. It's on 98.3 in Monmouth, Ocean, and Middlesex counties. It's on 1580 AM on Atlantic, Cumberland, Gloucester, Salem, and Camden counties, and then 91.9 FM in Cape May County. But uh, one of the cool things about it is uh, in this, you know, in the internet age, Everything's available on the uh, Domestic Church Media website. Um, it, all of the bro all of the localized broadcasts are available for uh, download on Apple Podcasts. Uh, all of it is available on the DCM app, and as recently as uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, they are now broadcasting on your local um, or your personal devices like your Alexa Echo. 
So uh, you can ask your Amazon Echo and say, Alexa, please play me domestic church media or domestic church radio, and uh, she'll set it up for you. So it's a it's a great it's a great uh, radio station. It really does a great job of promoting the faith. Um, Jim himself is, has inspiring stories of faith that shows trust in God's divine providence and plan for each of us. You know, he likes to share his stories of a. a an authentic Catholic family life and being a, a genuine Catholic father in today's world. Um, as a matter of fact, he and uh, his wife in 2012 were awarded the Benemerente Medal from Pope uh, Benedict XVI when he was on pilgrimage in 2014, had the opportunity to uh, meet the Holy Father. And, uh, and he's just a really devout guy and and someone who's who's good to listen to and quite frankly has a great voice for radio as well he's soothing as i think i the best way to call him as for gabriella uh she started working for dcm in 2012 as a volunteer where she hosted her own uh, program called uh, everything is grace specifically for young people um she really has a wonderful rapport with adolescents and young adults but as she puts it, she also appeals to seasoned Catholics as well. Uh, she's been very active in young adult ministry. She's a catechist, and she has a master's degree in theology from an Immaculate Conception Seminary in South Orange, New Jersey, on the, uh, on the campus of Seton Hall. And she's a veteran of World Youth Days in Sydney, Australia, and Madrid. So I hope you'll get a lot out of this show. Um, the uh, it was recorded live, so as with all things, when you record something live, you know it might sound good, might not sound good. But uh, if you want to learn more about domestic church media, by all means, go to domesticchurchmedia.org. Um, look up the DCM app on uh, your smartphone of choice, and of course, learn more about it now. So uh, here we go, and I certainly hope you enjoy this recording. Thank you. So thanks for being with us tonight. We usually start, even before we do our programs, we start with a prayer. So we're going to just pray with you all. I think that's going to need you all, but thank you for being here. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. Lord, we ask you to bless this ministry of theology on tap for all those who come, for those who have yet to come and find out about it, but that we may be strengthened in our faith to know you, to fall deeper in love with you, and to serve you more. And just guide Jim and I as we just share all the blessings that you've showered upon us in our life and the joy that you brought even amidst uh, the struggle of doing your work. Amen. Amen. So I do love Camden Diocese because when I was looking to go to World Youth Day back in 2008, I looked all around and it was too far. The Trenton Diocese wasn't doing it at that time. And I kept calling, calling, calling. And finally, Father Tom Barcelona, right? Maybe you guys, some of you know him. Um, he said, sure, you can join our group. And I only had about four, no, maybe six months, really, to raise $4,000 to go to World Youth Day. But I was really compelled that I needed to do something to grow in my faith and to strengthen my faith. Um, ever since my confirmation, I was pretty much set on the path. I made a decision and I was conscious that I was gonna live a Catholic life. And I didn't always know the joy of that, but I knew that, I, I knew that it was the right choice. And I knew that 
if I want to go to heaven, I better live a Catholic life. And so I, when I saw an advertisement, I'm getting slightly distracted right now because I have a Zumba routine to this song. life and I was but I just didn't have the support you know in my own parish life amongst young adults really campus ministry that I went to was kind of small um, and so I was like okay Lord if you want me to do this you have to help me and I see Portland over here she was on that trip George was on that trip as well and by God's grace I was able to fundraise just about three thousand um, dollars while going to college and working and just doing bake sales and random things and I was able to go to World Youth Day, Australia. Now you may think I wanted to go just because it was Australia, like who doesn't want to go to Australia? Right, but I also saw on EWTN an advertisement and I was like, wow, look at the joy, look at those young people singing. And look, there's the Pope. I was like, I think I need to be a part of that. I was just convicted in my heart. And really going to World Youth Day with the Camden Diocese sparked my faith even more so than my confirmation. My confirmation was really important to me because I started to understand God loved me and he had a plan for my life. But when I went to World Youth Day, I experienced the love not only from God, the sacraments, from adoration, but from people my age. You know, like they were just filled with joy and to be in their presence. If anyone's been to a World Youth Day here, anyone? No? You just feel really invigorated from being in the presence of those people. And I just came back. I was always pretty bold and confident just for my personality. But I came back unafraid and loved. And when you're loved by God and when you feel that love, you are not afraid to be yourself. Be the person God created you to be. To go out and I came to my certified, whatever. I went back to school. But still, it, it filled me with so much love to be the person God created me to be. And World Youth Day was really instrumental in me getting involved more in my faith when I came home, and eventually in Catholic Radio. So that was the first World Youth Day that I went on. And after that, I just continued to live out my faith, but also seek out like Catholic friendships. And I just would cry, please, Jesus, like, I need friends. Like, I would pray to St. Raphael, you know? St. Raphael, you're supposed to pray to him for a spouse, too. But also for good, holy friends. So I would pray to him for good friends. And it's great that you're all here tonight because you need to stay connected with friends to be supported in your faith. Because you can live the Catholic life, but if you want to live it also with joy, you need to share it with someone. And so World Youth Day was instrumental for that purpose, I was seeing that the church was alive, and even the young people, they were out there, I just had to find them. And uh, that was the start of me growing a little bit deeper in my faith, and also being unafraid to speak up. Um, and that'll play a role later on when I came into radio. But at that same time, when I was preparing to go to World Youth Day, Jim, simultaneously, was at one of the same fundraisers I was at. Remember that? Yes. You met my grandmother. I met your grandmother. <laughs> but we didn't meet each other. Your grandmother invited me. <laughs> right. So I was fundraising for World Youth Day. My grandmother was fundraising for the, Catholic, radio, station. the radio station at the time. 
to be honest, I was a little jealous. I was like, Grandma, why are you? <laughs> I didn't say this to her. I said it to my mom. I was like, why is Grandma donating money to like the radio station when she could like help support me to go to World Youth Day? And actually, she did support me a little bit as well. But she started listening to um, a little station that just had opened up, and it was Catholic Radio in her area in Jersey. And so that was back in 2008, right, Jim? Uh, six. Six. Oh, earlier. It opened, but I was going in eight. Okay. So anyway, so I'm going to give it to Jim now to talk a little bit about when radio started and how the Lord called him to get involved in and really to start this apostolate. He started this Catholic radio in New Jersey. So. First of all, thanks for having me. I noticed it's for young adults. <laughs> Nobody carded me on the way in, so I'm happy about that. Uh, and I'm kind of distracted because I'm probably the only Yankee fan in the whole room. No, no, no. Okay. Well, this this ties in because when I when I when I. Well, you know, the nice thing is if you're a Yankee fan, you know what October baseball is all about. If you're a Philly fan, your season's over in June. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> No, I'll tie it in, though, because honestly, this is the truth. My goal as I was growing up, now my voice changed when I was in fifth grade. My voice has been this deep since I was 10. And people always, oh, you have a nice voice for radio. When I grew, I grew up in North Jersey, and I used to watch the Yankee games all the time. I love baseball. I love watching. And I always, my goal was to be in the broadcast booth to play by play for the Yankees. That was my goal. And I went to Seton Hall University. I majored in broadcasting. And again, the, the desire that I was going to be a Yankee broadcaster. Well, things didn't work out that way, obviously. I'm still a Yankee fan, but uh, not broadcasting. But the Lord led me in a particular direction. Um, at the time, I, I, after college, didn't get any job in radio. Nobody was going to hire me because I, I was being very stubborn. The thing when you want to get into communications is, especially radio or television, if you're in the New York metropolitan area, you got to get out of the New York metropolitan area. You can't stay there and expect to make it big. you got to go out to the Midwest get a job and work your way back. I didn't want to do that. I was being very stubborn. He's always stubborn. Always stubborn. Thank you, dear. And um, the, uh, the, the, the Lord led me into teaching. I got a call from my, my principal from my high school and said, Jim, uh, you know, I need a religion teacher. Have you ever taught before? Do you want to teach? I said, I've never done it, but I'll do it. I need a job. So I taught religion for six years. And then after that, I got a job at FedEx, and I was training uh, customer service people, and I was in management, and I was uh, um, then in, in the training department developing and designing uh, corporate training programs. And all this, if you look back, was leading me up. I saw, now can see the Lord leading me, and all those skill sets that he was giving me and working me through were preparing me for where he has me now, and that is to, we, my wife and I founded Domestic Church Media back in 2003 with the desire to really get into Catholic media, Catholic television, Catholic radio. I got to meet Mother Angelica a couple times. Mother Angelica is the founders of EWTN. And I was still with FedEx, and they sent me down to Memphis, which is their headquarters, for a meeting. And at the time, I couldn't fly. They said, well, you still have to come to the meeting, so rent a car and drive to Memphis. So I said, all right, fine. So I drove to Memphis. The meeting was like two or three hours long, from New Jersey to Memphis. And I said, well, you know what, I'll go back, but I'm going to go the southern route. I looked on the map to see where Birmingham, Alabama was, which, which is the headquarters of EWTN. And I said, I'm going to go down to EWTN and see Mother Angelica. I don't know why, I've never been there. This is pre-GPS, mind you. It was paper map. I had no idea where I was going, but I was going. I was on my way. 
and I literally drove down from Memphis, Tennessee to Birmingham, Alabama by myself. I had no idea where I was going except on the map, okay, here's uh, Lee's Road and here's uh, Irondale. That's where the monastery must be. I went down the driveway and the parking lot was packed and there was one space there and I pulled into the space and I got out of my car. I still had no idea where I was going and I saw a building with a sign that said Pilgrims. I said, well, I'm a pilgrim. I went through that door and Father, then his brother Anthony, now Father Anthony, was sitting in a kitchen and I opened the door and he looked at me and said, oh, hi, come on in. Like he was expecting me. And I said, well, I'm Jim Manfredonia. I'm from New Jersey. I said, I, 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 is this EW, Mother Angelica? Oh, Mother just started her program. Sit down here. When she takes her break, I'll take you out to the studio. You can sit there and meet her afterwards. Okay. <laughs> so I literally did that. Program was over. And, a, a, and when the, the crowd left. And Brother Anthony came up and got me and said, here's Mother. And Mother Angelica said, how are you? I said, I'm fine, Mother. I said, I, I'm really feeling inspired. I want to bring Catholic radio to New Jersey. And she grabbed my hands between her, her two hands, and she said, pray to Our Lady of Good Remedy. She'll help you. I said, okay. I didn't know, I didn't know what our, at that time that was one of Our Lady's titles. But I never felt ever what I felt come through her hands into me, this, this deep warmth that came through. And I noticed her hands, and they were, and I've said this, at the time she probably was about 75 years old, the most elegant hands I've ever seen. They were just beautiful hands. And it just struck me. And she had my hands between her hands. And on the drive home, I'm still like thinking, okay, what am I gonna do now? And I, was, I found the Good Remedy card down at the network and I was praying on the way home. And I got home and I was with FedEx. And I said to my wife, I said, I, I really think I, I need to be going into this direction of Catholic radio. And she was looking at me, we had three little kids. All my kids are probably your age now. They're in their late 20s. And, the time they were they were little, and one thing led to another. I got a call from a gentleman who was opening a Catholic radio station in Bucks County. He said, "I called you WTN because we don't know anything about radio, and they gave me your name. Can you help us?" I said, "Okay," and I went again to my wife and I said, "I think I have to leave FedEx," and she said, "Okay, you can do that." I said, "All right, it's for a nonprofit radio station." Okay, my wife was very frugal and very money minded, and you know she was very good about managing the household. But she received this enormous grace to just say, okay, go ahead. And I went to my spiritual director, my dear friend, Father Doherty, like 85 years old. I'm in church one Saturday, and I said, Father, I, I think I have to leave FedEx and, and do Catholic radio. And he said, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Just start walking on the water. Just do it. <laughs> so I did. I left all that and began the journey. Now, I would go into the whole journey on how it got there, but my point is, is that the Lord was leading me in a special way. And I, 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 at the time, I was kind of nominal in my faith, but I had begun reading Pope John Paul II. Um, first of all, it was around the time the Catechism came out, and also his encyclical Veritatis Splendor, which he focused around the rich young man when the rich young man asked our Lord, good master, what must I do? And that kind of became my, my, my battle cry. What must I do now? What do I have to do for your Lord? And so he led me in that, and that was way back, way back in the, in the, in the mid-1990s, and things have progressed, and miracles happen every day, and we're still growing, and you heard Mike give our little repertoire of our, where our stations are, and where we are, what we're doing, um, but it, it, it's a, a, a been an amazing journey, and a year, about a year and a half ago, when Mother Angelica passed away, 
I got a call from Michael Warsaw, or an email from Michael Warsaw, who's the president of the 10, and the night that she died, it was Easter Sunday, and he said, I'd like you and Cheryl to come down to the funeral, because it was invitation only. And I said to my wife, I said, this must be a mistake. <laughs> I mean, they're inviting, I saw the distribution list was the governor of Alabama, and all that, and Cheryl and me, and I think, it's kind of, he probably like was typing in Jim somebody else, and my name popped up, and it came to me accidentally. So I called the next day down the network, no, no, Michael wants you and Cheryl to be here. Okay, so we drove down to Debitien, and the, the night before she was buried, Mother was laid out in the, the, uh, the uh, shrine up there in Hansville, and I had the opportunity to go up and again, once again, touch her hands. She laid in the coffin, I put my hands on her hands, and they still were as beautiful as ever. And so I know Mother Angelica is still interceding for us, because I know what we really want to talk about is, is, is miracles in the media, truth in the media. These days, you know, you hear so much about fake news, and we were talking earlier today or yesterday about Edward R. Morrow, because you did a paper on him. Did you, yeah, I did um, EWTN in the wake of Vatican II, and how it kind of came out at a perfect time to almost bring the church back to a middle ground. After Vatican II, a lot of people were swaying, you know, away from orthodoxy and away from what even the document said. But Mother Angelica would get on live, and she would shoot the people straight. She would tell them, like, the, the Blessed Sacrament of the Eucharist is the true body of Christ. And she was really instrumental in reviving a lot of the faith of, you know, maybe your parents or even your grandparents. I grew up with her on my television, like, growing up, when my mom fell in love with her faith more so in her early 30s, EWTN was on all the time. And it it kind of like background catechized me growing up because it was just there. But Edward R. Murrow said that, you know, with the growth of communications, uh, we can find out information in an instant now, but the most sophisticated satellite has no conscience. So it's up to the people in the media to be the conscience, to share what is the truth what, even what, what did Pope Francis really say? Like, I feel like that, that could be a show in itself these days, you know? But Edward R. Murrow was a very, very famous communicator in radio and eventually television back in the 1940s and 1950s when people trusted the media, people respected the media, that what you heard or saw, you could believe it was the truth. And you, I'm sure, maybe some of you do if you studied film, but in 1975, and Mike, you may remember this, in 1975, a film came out major film with Faye Dunaway, and I forget who else was in it, called Network. And it was a story in 1975, the storyline was that the news was becoming an entertainment program. It was more popular to be entertaining than to really be giving the news. This is 1975, when people were saying, ah, oh, that's, that's never gonna happen, that's, that's ridiculous. But it was true, it was prophetic, because what, as you see today, any news program, it's all entertainment, and we don't know what to believe anymore. And the Catholic Church, back in 1964, which was a document from the Second Vatican Council. Social decree on, um, the decree on social, social communications. Media. Okay, in 1964, the Council Fathers told the Church, and especially lay people, take the media and use it to evangelize. And this was the day, you know, 1964, you had television with you know, 10 channels on it. You had radio. You didn't have all the other media that we have today available to us that's being used for good and for bad. 
And so the Council Fathers, I think, it, were very prophetic in especially pointing to the lay people to do what we're trying to do, that is having a media outlet that will bring the truth of, of Christ and the church to people. Because Archbishop Shapu said a few years ago, and it's so true, that we have allowed the media to catechize our people. You know, where are people learning about the faith? If they're not listening to Catholic radio or watching Catholic television or going to Catholic internet sites, what are they getting? Late night talk show hosts who are making jokes about pedophile priests. And that's what people hear, and they say, that's that nasty church, that's that, you know, and, and the old pope and the, and the hierarchy and the, you know, the anti-woman church, that's what they're hearing. It's all being, it's all being uh, uh, broadcast by these other outlets, these secular outlets. So we have an obligation as a Catholic media outlet to bring truth. Now we're not, I always kind of say, yeah, we, we, we do, we, we broadcast the news, but our news is all good news. We broadcast the weather, but on our weather reports, the sun is always shining. Right? And, and we, 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 give, we give the traffic, how to avoid the road to perdition. I know it's kind of cheesy, but it, it works when I'm talking to parishes and Old people in the pews. Um, but we have it. We, our obligation, our obligation is to use any form of media. And you heard Mike saying, I, I've been telling my board of directors, and I'm, I'm the youngest person on my board of directors, so I, sometimes it's hard to, to convince them look, we're not just radio. We can't just be radio. We have to use all platforms available to us now because. It's all over the place. I know, because I have. My oldest son is 20, 29 years old, and I said to him, he's, a, he's a, an engineer for J&J, &J, and I said, Joseph, I said, when you listen to the radio, what are you listening to? He said, I listen to the radio. I put my podcast out of my car. I asked my daughter, who's 26 years old, you know, have you read the newspaper? I've never read a newspaper. I read everything off my phone. You know, and I was, so over the summer, I've been doing a lot of investigation on where we're going with media and how we, as a church and as a lay apostolate, because really it is our responsibility, we were exhorted by the Council of Fathers to do this, what platforms are we going to use to reach the people? Now, my, my generation, and I'm a baby boomer, and as you get older, that has a whole different meaning, by the way. <laughs> but my generation and those older than I, we're, we'll listen to the radio until it's gone. And we're going to always listen to the radio. Your generation and those who come after you are not. You're going to be using all other types of platforms. So we've begun to broadcast on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, all of our local programs that are live. We broadcast on YouTube, Facebook. We're using pod. Now we're on. We have podcasts. I don't know how we did it, but we do podcasts. And I did it. I, 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 what's it was good. You just. We got to do this. I'm ordering the camera. <laughs> Wow. Okay. You have to do these things because you have to stay on the, the cutting edge and use whatever media is available to evangelize, to reach people where they are. Everybody's watching YouTube. Everybody's on Facebook. Uh, you know, and, and Mike mentioned Alexa. This little, this little uh, Echo, and I have a little Echo Dot. I mean, we have an engineer who handles all of our te technology and our technical end of our radio station, who's in mid, mid 30s. His name is Nick, and I said, Nick, I really, now we have a 20 acres of property on our, our flagship station, is an AM station. We have four 200-foot towers in the backyard on 20 acres of property. I said, Nick, I bet in five years, we won't need these towers. Oh yeah, we'll always need the towers. 
No, he won't. I mean, I put Alexa in my car. I had put a little hotspot in there with this Echo Dot, and Alexa, play domestic church Catholic radio. Boom, it's on in my car. And it's gonna be in cars. I've read every major car manufacturer is putting this Echo uh, into uh, their cars starting in the year 2020. So we have to be using these forms of media to communicate the truth. Not the spin, not the stuff, the fake news, but the truth and the news and the information that's important because it affects our eternal salvation. And the media is the most powerful force out there. It really is. I mean, the media is, has grabbed generations of people and pulled them into certain directions. And you know, the, 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 all, all the, the nonsense that's on, on the phone, I was reading something over the summer saying that anybody who's developing a product in this year, better make sure that that product can be used on your phone or your tablet. Because if it can't, it'll be obsolete. Nobody's gonna want it. You have to be able to use it on your phone. My son went to a technology uh, conference out in California as part of his job. He said, one of the speakers there said, babies who are born in 2017 will probably never have to learn how to drive. Because by the time they're driving age, you're gonna have Google cars and, and Google Ubers and all this other stuff. Nobody's gonna, so, and the, the, the technology curve is so rapidly advancing that we as a church have an obligation to really study all means and all platforms to use to make sure we get that, that the, the gospel out into the world. St. Paul were alive today, he'd be saying the same thing. He'd be saying everything you get your hands on, put the gospel out there and get it out there. So that's that's what we feel our responsibility is. And I was telling Mike earlier, and I've talked to, to our board and our people at work, saying that what will differentiate us from other Catholic media outlets, because EWTN is on the internet, it's on Alexa, it's on podcasts, and, but what will what'll make us different is that if we do local programming, we feature local stories, local dioceses, local parishes, local priests and bishops, that people will come for that because no one else is doing that. But we have to be authentic and we have to be true to the teaching of the church and to the magisterium because it's a very, very fine line because people will trust us and we don't want to get into the fake Catholic news but the real true Catholic news. So that's where, where we're coming from what I've been trying to do for now over 20 years. And the reason why Jim is so compelled by this, I think also is because when he was growing up, um, there was a lot of... You always say the felt and burlap banners in the church. Yes, the 70s, the yeah. late 60s. And, uh, and really, the catechism was just not taught. And especially for our people today, we need to teach them the catechism. And I like to, I love to work with this apostolate, but especially when I go out and meet the listeners and meet different people that are affected. And I can give you a few stories. Um, one of the most powerful stories, I think, for me, it's just about an individual family. The mother was a convert to Catholicism. Didn't really grow much deeper after that. The father, the husband, her husband was was raised Catholic. So she converted so that they could, they could get married in the church, whatever. They brought their kids to church every Sunday. Well, when they found 1260 AM, the first station, the father started listening. And he was telling his wife, um, you really should start listening to this. You know, I, I just, it's really, something's changing in me. And so she would start listening too. And I've met this family, I've been to their home, and 
what they've told me is that the father was always a good man, but when he started listening to Catholic radio, when he started being fed the truth, like, look, you're not just called to exist and go to mass and be a good person. You're called to be a saint and you're called to grow holier every day. When he started to hear that message and know that you don't just go to confession once a year because the church tells you, you go more often to grow in holiness. When he started to hear these messages and that it was okay to grow deeper in his faith, she told me that he just changed. He went from being like a good man to wanting to become a saint. And she said, in effect, our whole family changed. Our whole atmosphere changed. They ended up being a family that uh, supported us very generously to buy another radio station. And they, they have seven kids. I don't know. I've been to their house. It's not huge. But they just made that sacrifice. Like Jim and his wife made that sacrifice, leaving the comfort of his job. Because people need to hear it. And the stories go on. Um, Mother Angelica started it because she was realizing that, look, they're using this to, per to perpetuate their own agendas. I'm going to use the media to talk, to share what God wants us to share, to share the gospel message, to share the truth. And uh, she had no money when she started. I love that story. None of us did. Yeah, we don't. And this is part of the calling of all Catholics is when God calls you, you don't look at the fears and the obstacles. If it's in your heart, if it's if you talk about it with like a spiritual director like Jim did, you have to move forward. You cannot allow anything to interfere. And Mother Angelica founded the network on zero dollars, really. And the money just came because there was a need. And we see that in our own life in apostolate that the support comes when there's a need. I'll tell you, we tell, talk about miracles. When we were trying to buy our first AM station, which is our flagship station now, 1260 AM in, in the Trenton area, <clears throat> we had, again, I don't even know why. I, I, I've always been like, I think when, when God was looking, Mother, Mother Angelica always said, God chooses dodos to do his work. <laughs> and so when God said, look, we need Catholic radio in Jersey, get that guy. He's a real dodo. So I, I answered the call. And... Jim um, Manfredodo. Jim Manfredodo, we call him. Manfredonia. But um, we had a, out of the blue, I just felt I had a call this radio station in Trenton. I, 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 at the time, I was out of work. I, I had left my job at FedEx, but the ra first radio station that we got, we were leasing, and the guy who we were leasing it from broke the deal. So I, I was like kind of out in the cold, nothing. I, mean, I had no job, no money, trying to raise my kids. and oh. But God took care of me. And I always said, I'm not going to worry. God got me into this. God will get me out of it. So out of the blue one day, I decided to call this radio station over in Trenton. I live in Bucks County. And I said, I'm Jim Manfredoni from Domestic Church Media. And I said, we're interested in, in WBUD 1260. I said, is it for lease or sale? And the, the guy who was the CEO said, well, it's funny you should call me today because just yesterday we had a board of directors meeting and we decided to put it on the market. I said, oh, great. I said, how much do you want for it? He said, four and a half million dollars. I said, okay, let me go talk to my people. So <laughs> I hung up, and of course, I always tell the story, my people are Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so, okay, now what? Um, but long story short, as things were progressing, they got the EPA involved and everything, and they found a, the EPA found an environment conducive to the habitat of a wood turtle on the property which means that about two-thirds of the property could not be built on, so the property value dropped by about two and a half million dollars. So the price of the station dropped, and 
We had a major conference up in Newark at the Prudential Center. I don't know if any of you remember Father Karapi from EWTN. He was a friend of ours. We don't know where he is now. We pray for him. But at the time, he was in very good standing. And we had a, we had a conference up in, New, uh, in Newark in the Prudential Center, major New York sports arena. We got about 10,000 people there. We brought Father Karapi in. And the purpose was to try to raise the last $400,000 we needed to finalize the purchase of this 1260 AM which was 30 days away. So we had some of the media come and address the crowd, talk about supporting domestic church media. Father Karapi heard that. He went up before his last talk and said, now before I, before I start my talk, he said, a lot of people in this room have a lot more money than I do. He goes, I'm gonna put $100,000 down right now if someone will match it to support this work. Because I mean it, I'll write the check right now. And I'm like, and literally within, within a minute, within a minute, we had three people come up waiting checks for $100,000. And so in about one minute, we raised $400,000 that we needed to buy the station. It was, it was, I mean, we were all like, huh? huh? And, and it was just, a, a so the Lord has carried us through. And the final blessing that I think we received of all is the fact that we have the Blessed Sacrament of the Lord with us now. We have a chapel and Bishop O'Connell, even, I didn't ask for it. He said, Jim, don't even ask me for it. Yes, you did have the Blessed Sacrament here. So. Jesus is there with us present, really truly present, substantially present, not only spiritually supporting us, but his presence in the building supports us every day, and that's been a miracle ongoing. So if you come to the radio station, we'll give you a tour and I'll tell you a little bit more stories, but um, you know, we're just really thankful that you're here. I think we're pretty much out of time. And, uh, and I do have a soft spot for my, in my heart for Camden because as a result of World Youth Day, that's why I got involved in Catholic Radio, just to tie it in a little bit, so, <laughs> basically. And um, if you have any questions, I think Mike's going to yeah. answer, so. Thank you very much. Have a little round of applause. Now, we are going to do a little bit of Q&A, but uh, start thinking about the questions you'd like to ask. Um, and we're going to, but I wanted to just give you a couple of announcements first. Um, by all means, uh, let's take care of our server, Mariah. She's doing a great job. So uh, before we leave here today, we're we'll, we gonna make sure we uh, throw a few tips her way. But I also wanted to give you a couple updates on some upcoming activities. The next Theology on Tap will be on November 29th. It's titled, God Calling, Personal Training and Prayer, The Call to Prayer. Um, <laughs> I was telling uh, Gabby and Jim uh, about the uh, people we'll have here for that. That'll be the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, we have them on. I refer to them as Faith Crack. I also refer to them as Vortex of Faith. You can't leave their presence without being totally blown away by who they are. They are young, 40 and under, incredibly bright, incredibly faithful. They're, if you're not familiar with their community, uh, they are basically half service and, uh, and have prayer life, and it is just beautiful. I've, I've gotten an opportunity to spend a lot of time in their convent with them. I highly recommend you come out. You will be really impressed by them. Their message is beautiful. They themselves are beautiful inside and out. So please, by, and as my coworkers who are here know, I never wax eloquent on about anything. I never, I'm a PR guy that's a jaded PR guy. These guys, these uh, these sisters, just blow me away constantly. So please, I highly encourage you coming out on the 29th. It'll be it'll be it will be worth your while. And then uh, uh, you're also invited to a share the journey night 
on November 3rd at, what are we doing here? Where's that? Oh, at Catholic Charities. Oh, of course, at Catholic Charities. Sorry, Mary Cosgrove is in our attendance right now. I should have you read this on. Uh, if, if any of you are aware of Mary Cosgrove, my colleague from Catholic Charities, she's the tall woman in the back waving her hand. She is phenomenal. Please encourage her to come to more of these uh, Theology on Tap, because I think she gets a lot out of it, and I guarantee you, you will get a lot out of knowing her. I wouldn't be able to do half of what I do without her, so, uh, so uh, please come out. But the Share the Journey campaign started on September 27th. It's an initiative straight from the Vatican, uh, which uh, Bishop Dennis Sullivan in the Diocese of Camden has really embraced. Uh, our Share the Journey story started on the 27th. We had a kickoff where a bishop came in and met with a number of our refugees uh, from all over the world, uh, Middle East, uh, Burma, all sorts of Cuba. Um, and uh, really got to know uh, who, who Catholic Charity services. Um, and if you happen to catch any of Cardinal Tobin's visit to the Justice for All dinner last Wednesday, you know this is also a, a matter of personal pride with him as well, that we in the state of New Jersey are really well known for being very open to uh, refugees, specifically in the Diocese of Camden. We, I think we've placed regularly anywhere from 50 to 100 refugees per year. Um, certainly in these unsettled times, uh, that number is gonna fluctuate a bit more. Uh, I encourage you to come out to the Share the Journey evening on November 3rd at Catholic Charities at 1845 Haddon Avenue in Camden, New Jersey, and you'll see more about this online. Now. I don't think I missed anything else, Greg, did I? That was it? Okay. So, Q&A time. Uh, does anybody have any questions for our, for our guests? I would encourage you to use the microphone or else we'll, we'll make a repeat. Uh, for, this is being recorded as a Talking Catholic podcast as well. So feel free to get on the podcast. Everybody always enjoys that. So any questions? That's okay. You can be shy. I got to go. Oh, wait. No, no. All right. Come on. Um, what was the first like program that you started in your media? Uh, I tell you what, I started my my first real Catholic radio program was right here in Camden, W um, TM, TMR, right, eight hundred AM. There's a, a group of Catholics that were buying time back in 1993, 94, 95, and uh, I got a, I was still at FedEx, and I was listening to the program. Got to know one of the hosts down there. And he called me up one day and he said, Jim, he said, I can't do my program today at 3 o'clock. Can you do it for me? I said, well, I've never done Catholic radio, but sure, why not? So I went down to the studio down here in Camden. <clears throat> I brought my catechism, my Bible, everything John Paul ever wrote. <clears throat> put it out in front of me. And 3 o'clock, the, the engineer gave me the, the cue. We're on the air. And I just closed my eyes and started talking. And it seemed like the time went by like that. And I said, hey, this is pretty neat. I can do this. So that was really the first. Actually, I should say, the first thing I ever did in Catholic Radio was 1971. I was a sophomore in high school, and I grew up in New Brunswick, and my church was St. Peter's. And WCTC, which was the station in New Brunswick, every Christmas Eve broadcast a service or a mass, a different church or congregation each year. This year it was St. Peter's, and uh, Father Corona, who was one of the priests there, said, uh, Jimmy, I gotta have you do uh, some some uh, narration for the mass for the uh, radio. I said okay, because he, he knew my voice was deep. And I sat back in the sanctuary uh, in the uh, sacristy, 
during the midnight mass, he wrote me out a script, and I was doing the play-by-play -play for the mass, basically. <laughs> and I was, I was 14 years old, so that was my first experience. But that, my first real program was on WMTR and then at TMR, and then um, from there it was just you know moved on. Jim's been I, on uh, every day of the week for the past how many years? Like about 22, about yeah. 22 years. For an hour. Mm -hmm. But I will say, you know, when Gabriella came along, um, and we are we have a, a, a our spiritual director is from the Diocese of Camden, and. Um, you know, when we first came on the air, we did our thing. We kind of, you know, I'm obviously old enough to be her father, and 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 she's very young. And but people were enjoying the interaction between the generations. And my our speaker said people like to hear that. They like to hear the interaction between the two of you because we're both a couple of stubborn Italians, and we, we get into it every now and then, and we have a good time, we have fun, but we talk about the faith, and we, you know, you can see how it can grow from from. Uh, you know, someone in their 20s to someone in their 60s, and we're all still speaking the same, the same, it's the same spirit. So, but you can tell your little story how you came to be on the radio. Go ahead. So, uh, I was driving back and forth, uh, working in campus ministry at the time, and Catholic radio was on, and I loved it because I could listen to the rosary sometimes. Like, it was just a great way to. You know, when you pray the rosary in the car and you're like, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, I'm like, how many was that, you know? So it was great to have Catholic radio. But I was always hearing Jim, and I'm like, huh, this guy is starting to get on my nerves because he's not talking. Which is good. That's good. I like to get on people's nerves. He's not talking about World Youth Day. I was preparing to go to my second World Youth Day, and the first one, like I shared, Australia had such a huge impact on my life. I was annoyed that Catholic media was not using the platform to talk more about World Youth Day. Like, people need to know about it. People need to go. Like, lives need to be changed. So at work, it was slow because it was in the summer and it was campus ministry. I just called up the station and I... Uh, and I answered. He answered. And I was just like, uh, hello. What What are you doing about World Youth Day, basically? <laughs> How come you guys I, are not talking about it? I think she was a bit more harsh than that. But I, <laughs> no, he says I say, what the hell are you doing about World Youth Day? I was like, I didn't talk like that until I, until I started working with you for five years, you know? <laughs> but anyway. Um, but I was like, I tried to be like uh, kind, but also slightly annoyed. And um, so he kind of pawned me off on his wife and was like, yeah, so Cheryl, so call, call this girl. You, you fix this and take care of this. <laughs> so eventually they... No, I said, I did say, I said, why don't you come on the radio and talk about it yourself right. then. So you come on and talk oh, about it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. And actually, like in my heart and in my prayer, I didn't really know. I went to school for math and education because uh, I was like just good at teaching math. And then I got a job in campus ministry. So, okay. Um, but like, I didn't really understand how Catholic radio would play out until I started to get involved. And after that initial interview with the radio station, they asked me, okay, when you come back from World Youth Day, you got to come back on the air and talk about it. And I was like, mm, okay, whatever. And uh, my mom, I was back for two weeks, and I don't know if this happens to any of you, but once I would come back from pilgrimage, I'd basically go into, like, crying and depression for a while. <laughs> and so I didn't want to talk to anyone. And uh, she was like, you got to go, you got to go. They've been praying for you when you were there every day, and you promised you would talk about it. So I ended up going back, and I shared about World Youth Day, Madrid. And then Jim asked me to come back for another thing. I was like, why is he still bothering me? Like, I was like, done, you know? Like, no, but I'll tell you why, because we had, we, had a gathering, we had a gathering with Bishop O'Connell and some of our, we were hoping, potential benefactors, and I invited Gabrielle to come 
because I wanted the, the bishop to see that we, we are trying to involve young people. I was a pawn. Which, well, but yeah, I was a pawn. Very, very important that, <laughs> that young people are getting involved in this type of an apostolate. So, and you were talking to Father Tim Byer, he's our spiritual director from, from uh, Pensa. Uh, no, oh, Mercy. now he's in Mercy. Yeah. Um, and uh, Father Tim. He was Tim, the only one I could relate to. I didn't know it was a, a special occasion. I came in like jeans and like. You were young, you were young. But he's like. Socks, so, and everyone was dressed up with a lot of money. After the event, like, I'll talk to the priest. After the, <laughs> after the event was over, after, after the event was over, Father Tim and I were sitting down having a little nightcap, and he said, Jim, he said, that Gabriella, you got to get her involved. I said, Father, I'm way ahead of you. I said, I've been after her for a few weeks now. I said, I'm feeling the same thing. The Holy Spirit is telling us, get her involved because of her spirit, because of her enthusiasm, because of her great love for the Lord and the church. And that was in 2011, and she has progressed through the ranks uh, because you were the only rank. I, I, I was usually usually the, the radio station was my man cave for years. Yeah, so there was nobody else around. I was doing everything. But now Gabriella, and we have another employee. But Gabriella really has added a lot because it's important for people your age to hear this type of witness. You can hear me. So with Gabriella and our other person, Amy, who's 25 years old. They go to parishes and they speak about the importance of Catholic media, Catholic radio, because, and people, a very common feedback I get is, I love to see young people talking about their faith. You know, I can get up and no one's going to see a chubby old Italian up there talking about his faith. He's too old. Get these young people up there. You guys have to go out and be that witness now. And, you know, that's, that's such an important factor for us. So... That's why she's been with us and has been with us. and, and That's part of the miracle, that we're still working together. Yeah, because, <laughs> because really, now, you tune in any Monday and Friday at 4 o'clock. We're on together for two hours. You'll find, you'll find out what that's all about. As someone who has watched, and I highly recommend watching them in addition to listening to them, it's a show. It is, it is absolutely enjoyable to watch them sort of spar back and forth with each other. Totally worth it. The, we're like the we're like the Regis and Kathy Lee of Catholic radio. <laughs> the um, I did want to uh, ask. I actually want to poll the group since we've been talking about this a little bit. Um, I'd like to know from the group where do you get your your Catholic communication from? So how many people get it from podcasts? You don't have to name which one it is, but podcasts. Okay. So we got three from podcasts. Who gets it from radio? Catholic radio. It's okay. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, who gets it from Catholic TV? One, two, three. A little overlap. Who gets it from Catholic websites? Like just, just text. Almost everybody. Okay, that's good. Uh, and uh, and who gets it just from the pew? <laughs> okay. Oh, and actually, one other area. Who gets it from small group activities like this? Oh, I like seeing that. Okay, almost every hand was raised. That makes me very happy. Another reminder of just how important these small group activities are. Um, I, I forget if I mentioned this. Before. I've talked a lot tonight to a lot of people. I forget if I mentioned this on, on the recording. However, um, what got me back into the faith was small groups like this. Um, I was a young person, kind of stepped away from my faith. Not too far away, but far enough, and happened to know a girl who eventually became my wife. Um, but she knew a bunch of people who were very devout. A couple of priests, at the time, two seminarians, now former seminarians, but excellent Catholic gentlemen, 
Um, actually, really are excellent Catholic gentlemen. And then a, number, uh, a woman who was uh, discerning uh, becoming a sister, and then her sister, and a couple other extraneous folks, including Father Tim Byerly, who I think was trying to steal my uh, wife away to become a, or my then girlfriend away to become a nun, but that's aside from the point. <laughs> but, uh, but it really was important, I think, and I hope the other thing you take away from tonight is just how important it is to see this kind of a union between an older broadcaster and a younger broad broadcaster. Well, <laughs> you know, more seasoned, seasoned broadcaster. broadcaster. So, although it's five seasoned, years, he's pretty seasoned in this point of the broadcast world. Um, it's really do come together. And you know, I was at the, the convocation of Catholic leaders along with Greg down in July, and I would say about half of our conversations was the importance of young adults and not the church of the future, the church of the now. That's why Gabriella plays such an integral role and why Jim was so wise to bring someone young into his apostolate because he's getting old, I'm getting old, and he's right. Nobody wants to listen to us. I feel stupid just talking right now because Gabriella's here. Um, but I, I did have one question for the, the, one last question, unless there are any other further questions from the audience. Anything left? Oh, I have one, one last question. I'm a jaded media guy, I've mentioned that a number of times. Um, how do you keep, how does your faith stay strong? I'm, I'm impressed by both of you, by how casually you talk about your faith and earnestly you talk about your faith. And let's face it, you talk about your faith a lot every week. Um, how do you keep that up? I, there must be times when, you know, it's difficult, you know, and perhaps when you're not hearing what you want on the radio from that old guy on the radio or, or that old guy sitting across from you. But he's my, he, well, you've trained him. That's yeah, he's trained him. Right. <laughs> But I am curious, you know, for people, for someone who has to do this 24-7, how do you really keep that faith up? Want me to answer that? Well, I think for, for, and we've talked about this, but I think the fact that, and I, I mean this, we, the, the, the greatest gift we have received has been when Bishop O'Connell said, Jim, you can have the Blessed Sacrament in the building. Because for me, you know, I, I tell people, whenever I say to people, you know, when they're considering whether to support us or not, or asking for donations, or go to benefactors, and I say, look, Jesus Christ didn't, isn't just with us spiritually. He, he has made himself present in our building. I don't know of any other Catholic radio station in the country that has the Blessed Sacrament 25 feet away from the broadcast facility. He's there with us, and so for, for me personally, and for us, because we go in the morning, we pray first thing in the morning together as, as a group, we're in there individually, we go in at three o'clock and pray the chapel or a rosary. And and the fact that our Lord is there with us, that has, and it becomes just our, our environment, our culture. And the other side of that though, Mike, is this, and we've talked about, I, you, I told you this when you first came there, because he would say, Gabriel would say, you know, there's a men's uh, a prayer group meeting tonight, why don't you go over there and spend uh, time? I said, I don't want to do that. I said, I'm, I'm, my entire day is spent you know, living the faith. When I go home, the Yankees are wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, I we I have that that side of, of and God wants us to be joyful people. You know, He wants us to be balanced and joyful. And so, keeping it growing, and I think for me personally, anyway, and I, I'm sure for you as well, and other things, because uh, you're much more spiritual than I am in many ways. I think. But, Actually, I was telling him what he has to do 
this past week. I was yeah, like, you have to do this and what, what spiritual book are you reading now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, it's... We all need that. No. <laughs> I can be hard. But we, you know, we're blessed because you are too because you work in an environment where that's, that's the job. Yeah. You know, that's what we do where most people who, you know, need a Bible study at night or need a, a prayer group at night or need to go to an event on a weekend, all week long they're in the secular world. We're just the opposite. We're in an environment that is constant spirituality. That's what we do. You know, we get phone calls from people who ask for prayer, or people tell us their stories about how Catholic Radio has changed their lives, or we, you know, we're we're we're, we're praying. We're talking about the best way to reach people and what we can reach them with. So it's it's and it becomes just part of it. It's our culture. It's who we are and how we live. You know, throughout most of the day. You can answer too. I would, I would second with the Blessed Sacrament. Um, you know, just having like a weekly holy hour that I have, but also having time to pray, even at work or at home, just connecting yourself to God. And then I also identify with the jadedness. Like sometimes, you know, even I, okay, Lord, I'm doing this for you, but like, look at everything else. And like, why aren't you making my life easier? And then, nah, 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 nah. like, so that kind of uh, devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, but also that um, developing really honest communication with God has helped me through this, really not holding back when it comes to like what I'm feeling or what I'm going through and just laying that out, especially in the chapel. And um, working in the church, and maybe uh, Mike and Jim can talk about that too, sometimes you see a lot of stuff that you wish you didn't see. And uh, just falling in love deeper with the church, not just the sacraments. That was a struggle for me that I actually went through. And when I went to Rome, with the radio station, I mean, we were there for the election of Pope Francis. Um, it helped. Not intentionally. Yeah, it was, that was another miracle. But it really helped me to say, okay, I'm Catholic. I love the saints. I love the church. I love these people that I see at daily mass. Um, but I love the church even in its sickness, too. When I encounter that priest that was really nasty to me, when I encounter those people that, like, did not represent the church well, um, just willing to love the church because God found it and thinking, also meditating on the blessings, like going to the Blessed Sacrament, but also meditating on the blessings God has showered and bestowed on your life through your involvement in the faith. Like where would you be without God? Um, so I think that kind of helps. Spirit of gratitude, spirit of prayer, and then just devotion. Stay devoted, hardcore, no matter what, to the church because you know it's truth. And knowing, you know, knowing, I, I, citing examples throughout the course of these 20 years where I've been working for this, where I could, you know, I can't take the time tonight, but you always said, put it in that book because there's miracle after miracle after miracle. And Father Tim would say to me in the very beginning, Jim, keep watching for those signal graces. Where is the Lord going to lead you next? Where does he want you to go? And it may not always be the place I want to go. Many times it's been... I don't want to do that. You know, when I first, we, we opened our first little radio station, I mentioned we were, we were um, uh, leasing from a, a person, our first little 10-watt station. The only way I could do that, the only way I, I was able to do that was I mortgaged my house. I took $100,000 out of my house and, and did the radio station. I tell them that, they go, you're nuts. I said, well, I know, but you know, look, now, look what happened. Look, 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 look where we are today. I mean, we have four stations. We're, we're, we're reaching you know, two-thirds of the state of New Jersey into Bucks and Montgomery County, into Lewis, Delaware. I said, if I didn't do that, who knows if it ever would have happened. 
we, we heard a story of a woman who was testifying in um, the Trent uh, for the uh, assisted suicide hearings. And the husband of the woman who was testifying went up to one of our program hosts. Her name is Patty Staley. She hosts a program called Family Matters, and it's a local program. And she said, the man said to Patty, who, and this woman just testified against, you know, assisted suicide because she herself at one time in her life had contemplated killing herself. She was a paraplegic and she was very, very, very uh, um, uh, depressed and, and, and she, was, she, wanted to, she wanted to kill herself. She happened to turn on the radio station and heard on Patty's program a psychologist talking about depression and talking about prayer and the importance of God in your life and how to pick yourself up. And the woman was convinced to not kill herself and ended up testifying in the state house against the assisted suicide bill. And you hear stuff like that, you see, if we didn't, you know, all this that's happening, it's not us. You know, we don't take credit for any of this. We are just the instruments that God's using. But if, if we didn't take those risks or chances for the Lord, you know, it, things wouldn't happen. Imagine if, if our Lord had said to Peter or any of the apostles, you know, Matthew, come follow me. Oh, but let me show you three years from now what's going to happen to you. Would they have gone with him? Would they have, you know, would Peter have gone at that moment that, that Peter, the Lord said, let me, I'll make you fisher of men. If he had said, but let me show you how you're going to die three years from now or, for, or upside down, nailed to a cross. We wouldn't do it. But watch for those simple graces and just take the risk and watch the miracles happen. That's, and that's what gives us the opportunity and the ability to really be enthusiastic about what we've done. We've seen the Lord work in our lives that way. And we remember the miracles. That's Absolutely. something you always have to go back to, those blessings. All right, well, thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you all. Good night. Drive safely.